Welcome to the Chad Cargill ACT Test Prep Podcast, coming to you from the Ollie Ray Ranch in Choctaw, Oklahoma. I'm excited to be with you for the first episode of the podcast. My goal is to give practical tips to help you increase ACT scores, qualify for college, and win those much-needed scholarships. We'll talk colleges, careers, and most of all, test-taking strategies and tips. For those of you that may not be familiar with me and wonder why I'm the guy that's uh, able to give uh, ACT prep podcast, I want to start by telling you my story, and that will be a, a good basis for everything that we build on uh, throughout these podcasts. And then after we do that, I'm going to give you the first tip, which will be the one, two, three plan of when to take the ACT and why. So let's get rolling and we'll start with my story. I'm from a small town on the east side of Oklahoma City. I graduated from Hera High School in 1992. I went to Oklahoma State, got my degree in industrial engineering, uh, moved back to my hometown, went to work in Oklahoma City for a company called Lucent Technologies. We had a huge factory, employed over 6,000 people, and I was one of the engineers there. When I was a student at Oklahoma State, I did my ACT workshop uh, at high schools when I could get away from class. When I went to work at Lucent, I did the workshop a lot, a lot of weeks, usually Monday night, Tuesday night, Thursday night, and Saturday mornings. I would do that roughly seven months out of the year for five years. And then 18 years ago, my wife and I were about to have our second kid, our daughter, Casey. I have a bunch of kids. I have eight. I'll tell you about them later in these um, podcasts, but about to have our second. And I knew I should be home more. So I quit working at Lucent. That ended up being a brilliant decision because two years later, they laid off 6,000 people and shut the factory down. I tell everyone I quit. They just shut the whole thing down. It was sad. No, really. Um, but then I started doing my workshop uh, full time. And now I travel to a different high school almost every weekday through the school year. I primarily teach in Oklahoma, Arkansas, Texas, Missouri, Kansas, Nebraska, and Iowa. I have given the workshop in other states as well, but those are the main states that I'm traveling to every year. So how did I get into that and, and why am I able to teach that? Well, I come from a simple home. My mom graduated from a high school in Oklahoma City called John Marshall High School. And the day she graduated, I was in the audience and I was sitting next to my older brother, who's two and a half years older than me. My dad lugged boxes in a grocery warehouse for 30 years. Now, I tried that one summer as a college student and oh my gosh, I could not believe how difficult it was. And the fact that he did that for 30 years blows my mind. I have the utmost respect to anyone who does manual labor like that. It, it was one of the hardest things I've ever done. I, I couldn't believe it. So... When I was a freshman in high school, I tell my dad that I want to go to college. Now, that wasn't something really expected. It wasn't you know, common in my family history. And I tell my dad I want to go to college. And he says, okay, where do you want to go? I didn't really know. So I said, maybe Oklahoma State. And he said, great. How much is that going to cost me? Now, I don't know if you've checked into how much college costs these days, but it is absurd. And just in my region where I'm at, if you're interested in going to one of the big state schools, maybe the Oklahoma States, OUs, K-States, Texas Techs, you're about to pay a lot of money for books, tuition, dorms, fees, mills. Those five items, four years of school, most of these colleges are publishing ninety dollars to $100,000. 
if you go to a private school like Oklahoma Baptist, which is close to where I live, it's 160000 Baylor, they're publishing $300,000. This is just absurd. Certainly, if you attend a smaller school, you can save a lot of money. My oldest daughter is at Rose State Junior College, which is not far from here, and she is saving a fortune and absolutely loves it. So I will talk more about college selection in later podcasts. I'm really excited to do that with you because I think sometimes we get locked in on these certain schools and we really don't think through the ramifications of going there and the long-term financial damage we may do. So it's just something definitely that we should consider. We'll talk about that later. Well, I tell my dad this, how much it costs. And I remember the day I told him that we were driving down the road in his little blue pickup and he looked right over at me and he just goes, no. And I said, then what do I do? He said, you can go to junior college your first two years, live at home, drive back and forth, work your job and pay for it. And your last two years, you can go to the University of Central Oklahoma. It was an hour drive. He's like, hey, it's not that far to drive. He said, keep working your job, pay for it, and eventually you'll graduate college. Now, at that time, I was working at a video store renting VHS tapes to people. And I made $3 an hour. And my dad just told me I was going to pay for college with this. I mean, okay, I guess. All right. So I tell my dad, I really don't want to do that. I would like to go to Oklahoma State. And he said, the only way you'll get there, you've got to win scholarships. There's a lot of money out there we can win. And it's not easy. It's going to take time, but it's worth it. And we should apply for everything we can find. And I'm going to do multiple podcasts on scholarships, what committees look for, how to apply for them. I'll give you strategies on, on how to monitor all that and maintain all that. And anyway, that, that'll come later in future podcasts. But I figured out that a lot of money was based on the ACT test. So I go to my counseling office and I said, I'm interested in taking the ACT. When do I do that? And my counselor said, you'll take it your senior year. And I asked, so nothing until then? And she said, well, we have a few students who are taking it more than once now. And I'm like, why? She said, you can take it all you want, anytime you want, and they only use your highest score. And I'm like, really? Well, if that's the case, let's go. I'll take it right now as a freshman. I'll take it all the time. So I took it once my freshman year, made a 19. Twice my sophomore year, went 21-25. I'm thinking, this is great. You just keep taking it. Your score keeps going up, right? No, my junior year, I took it five more times, made another 25, 26, 27, 25, 26. By the April national test of my junior year, I had taken the ACT eight times. I started at 19, went all the way to a 27, then dropped to 25, 26. And what do you think people are telling me? I mean, I go to my counseling office. I'm devastated. I go, I, I get my scores. Now you got to realize we didn't have the internet then. I know that's crazy, hard to believe, but you actually had to go to your counseling office and you got a sheet of paper that was mailed through the post office. I know it's incredible. She handed me my score and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. I can't raise my score anymore. And my counselor was so sweet. I loved her. She was trying to make me feel better. And she says, Chad, don't be discouraged. It's okay. I'm like, no, it's not. And she says, look, do you realize you're like the first student in Hera history to ever take the ACT eight times? She's like, you should be proud of yourself. And I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, what an honor, right? Oh my. So I took it a ninth time, scored a 28, took it a 10th time, scored a 29. I'm about to start my senior year. I've taken the test 10 times. I know this is crazy, but I'm one point from big money. 
You hit a 30. It opens a lot of doors in the world of scholarships. I thought, okay, I'll take it one more time. I get my 30. I've made it. Here we go. Starting my senior year, I took the ACT an 11th time. I made another 29. I thought, no big deal. One more time. Took it a 12th time, made a 28. Now, when I was in high school, there was no limit. As many of you know, there is a limit now. The limit is 12. But for those of us listening that may have graduated in the 1980s, 90s, whatever, uh, you know there was no limit back then. Well, now there is. So I didn't stop at 12. I kept going. I took it a 13th time, 26, 14th time, 27. So I took it a 15th time. I made another 29. Honest to God, I've taken it 15 times now and five times in a row my senior year. My score didn't go up. It didn't even stay the same. I go down and back to 29. Now, I think most who are listening would say, enough, I'm done. But I took it a 16th time. And after five times in a row, my senior year of not raising my score, the 16th time total, I didn't go up one point. I went up two points. I scored a 31 on that thing. I was pumped. Then the wheels started turning. Now, here in Oklahoma, there's a scholarship called the State Regents Scholarship. And if you add up your English, math, reading, and science scores, and they total 135 points, they give you uh, they give you about $43,000, $48,000 or something right now. It's a lot of money. When I graduated high school, if you added up your English, math, reading, and science, and they totaled 128 points, 128 divided by four is 32.0. They gave you $35,000, which at that time was a full ride. Uh, 128 points then hit you in the 99.5 percentile and you won that money. So I thought, oh my gosh, I've taken it 16 times. I'm all the way to a 31 now. I'm one point from big money. I said, what the heck? I'll take it again. I took it a 17th time, the April national test of my senior year, and I went down. I made another 29. So I said, well, let's do it again. I took it an 18th time, the June national test after I graduated high school. And that was the last test that the regents would let me take to count toward their money. And I did score a 32. But if you added up my English, math, reading, and science, they totaled 126, not 128. And 126 divided by 4 is 31.5, which ACT rounds to 32. But the regents would not round. So instead of winning 35,000, I stayed at 6,000. Two wrong answers on my 18th ACD cost me $29,000 in scholarships. I don't agree with this process. I don't think all this money should be based on an ACT like it is. But here's the bottom line. When you get an application to that college and you read it, it does not say, are you a good person? Yes or no. And you're like, tough one. Yes. All right. No. It says, what are your scores? Are they high enough? Welcome. If not, you may have to find a different college. So obviously, we would not be listening to this podcast today if we didn't know this. The ACT is important to qualify, to avoid zero-level classes, to win scholarships. And we're going to go through a journey of tips and tricks and all kinds of things that I learned taking the test all those times and that I've been teaching for the last 28 years. And again, I'm so thrilled you joined me. So let's get started. Today, I'm going to teach about the one, two, three plan. It's when you should take the ACT and why. The one is the sophomore year in high school. I recommend students take the ACT for the first time the sophomore year. Specifically, I would like you to take either the December 
or the April National ACT. Why? Three times a year, ACT allows test takers to order a copy of the test questions, your answers, and the correct answers. This gives you an opportunity to see what you got right and what you got wrong. I want the one in the one, two, three plan to be one of those tests that you can order. If you are an advanced student, I like the December test. The December test is good because you're at least in school. So we're, we're speaking the language of math. We're, we're doing English, kind of reviewing those rules again. But it's early enough in the year that you're getting kind of a taste of this and you can start really going, wait, oh yeah, that was on that ACT. Oh, and your teacher's teaching and it's some of these things start registering with you. On the students, for the students that are average or below average, let's wait till the April test. It gives us a little more time, maybe to learn a few more math concepts, maybe to get a little stronger on those grammar and punctuation rules but you can also order the April test. So either one of those will work as the one for the sophomore year. Let's talk about the approach though. I, I don't want you to study for that. I, I really don't. I know that takes people off guard when I teach that, but I'm not really interested in what you score. I want you to commit to give your best effort, but I don't want you to study for it because really, I just want you to get a taste of the test I want you to see where you score so you kind of know where you're at. And frankly, I want you to get punished by that thing. My goal is you walk out of it and you go, oh my gosh, that was horrendous. If that's what happens, I'm pretty happy. Because now it's like, we better get it on because this, this ain't going to be easy. And that's what I'm hoping you get out of the one in the one, two, three plan. Now, later in another podcast, I'm going to talk about specifically what to do with that test when you receive it. When you order it, I'm going to tell you how to order it, when to order it. When it comes in, I'm going to tell you specifically uh, what to do with it. But for now, in general, let's just say you're going to look at every question you missed and you're going to think about it. Okay, that was a who and whom question. That was a distance formula question. So just in general, let's do that with the first time. Now, the two is the junior year. I like these two to be the December and either the April or June national ACTs. So remember, you can order the December, April, and June tests. So I want to order both of these so we can see what we got right or what we got wrong. So let's go December and then either April or June, depending on maybe spring sports activities or, uh, you know, uh, outside activities or, or uh, FFA or band activities, whatever that might interfere. Let's try to do either the December, let's do the December for sure. And then either the April or the June. Now these, we want to start cranking down a little bit. We don't want to just go in without studying or whatever. Now we're interested in trying to identify weakness areas. Let's work on those weakness areas a little bit, but let's get two tests in that junior year. And we should be well on our way to identifying what we need to do to improve and starting that improvement process. The three is the senior year. I would like these three to be the September October and December national ACT test. Now, let me pause here and just say that if you go to the show notes for this episode, you're going to see all of this outlined for you. So we'll have the show notes um, on my website, 
chadcargill.com. You can go to podcast.chadcargill.com. This is episode one, and you will see all of the notes for this. I'll also be posting those on the Chad Cargill Workshops Facebook page. If you'd like to get on that, that would be great. So I'll have all this documented in case you need a reference back on this one, two, three plan and what these mean. But September, October, and December, the first three national ACTs senior year, I want those taken. If you're a parent listening to this, you're thinking, wait, there's not a September national ACT. There wasn't when we took the ACT, but there is now. So we need to make sure we're taking the September test. September, October, December are important because these are the first three and they get you in front of the priority scholarship deadlines. We're going to talk later about scholarship deadlines. Some are priority deadlines, some are hard deadlines. And I want to make sure we get as many ACTs in before we hit those deadlines. So let's get those first three of the senior year, and that will be the end of the one, two, three plan. The question obviously is, wait a minute, if you can take the ACT 12 times, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, why am I only recommending six in a one, two, three plan? Well, I'm not. I want you to take the ACT 12 times. And people kind of freak out about that. Like, why? Look, every time you take the ACT, your score might go up. And if your score goes up, you might win more money. So I want you to take all 12. So where are the other six? There's a variety of ways that we're going to get the other six taken. Residual ACTs will be part of that. We'll talk about that later. I like the idea of having a couple national ACTs still to go in the spring semester of the senior year. There may be scholarships that are due later. We could still keep taking the test for those. And some scholarships, as I said earlier, are priority deadlines, which means as you raise your scores, you may still become eligible for them. And if slots are available, then you qualify and you win them. I just like holding a couple ACTs to the spring semester of the senior year. A couple big questions I get. Well, should you take the ACT as a freshman? I recommend no. Every time I'm asked this by a parent, I always respond with this line. I'm not going to yell at you if you have your kid take it as a freshman. That's fine. I just don't recommend it. I certainly did not have my two oldest take the ACT as a freshman. My philosophy on this is the ACT is really a measurement for your preparedness for college. It's really designed to be a test that covers what you learned in high school. And so when we take it the freshman year, we're not going to have seen a lot of this. My biggest issue with it is freshmen score poorly on the ACD and start believing they're stupid. They start thinking, oh, I'm not smart enough, or oh, I can't do this. That's not the case at all. I frankly don't care what you score as a freshman. It makes no difference to me. I'm worried about where we're at our senior year. And it bothers me a lot when I hear a freshman say, yeah, I took the ACT and I scored a 17 and my buddy took the ACT as a freshman. He scored 27. I could care less. Great for your buddy. It doesn't mean anything for you. Let's don't get carried away with that. Now, certainly some people are adamant to take it a freshman year and that's fine. I would just say, don't get too caught up in how you scored. I don't really want it to be something that you're comparing against others or you're making some decision about 
if you're smart or if you're not. My recommendation for parents who really want their kids to take an ACT as a freshman is to not do a national ACT test. My recommendation is you go online and you do a Google search for this exact phrase, preparing for the ACT test, pdfact.org. Preparing for the ACT test, pdfact.org. And I'll have that in the show notes for you. The first link that will appear below the ads will be a free downloadable PDF of an actual ACT national ACT test that was recently given each year. ACT puts one of those tests out there to let you see what the test is like. So it's an actual test. The correct answers are in the back of the booklet and a scoring chart is in the back of the booklet, which shows you what you would have scored. Instead of wasting one of our 12 and paying the million dollars it costs to take the ACT now, why don't we just get some friends together and let's administer one ourselves using the free booklet they give you. We can even time it. We could even go to a, a school or a church or somewhere if we feel like we need to simulate an actual testing environment to do this. We could time it, take the test, and we could grade it. Everyone could see his or her scores. And that way, we're saving the money and we're not wasting one of our 12. I also get asked, should you take the Duke Talent Search or the Duke TIP program, 7th grade ACT? Again, I'm not going to yell at you if you have your kid do it, but I wouldn't do it. It's the same thing I talked about with freshmen. I really don't care how you score as a 7th grader. And I, I, too many times I'm told, you know, oh, I, I, you know, my buddy took the test as a seventh grader and he scored a 22 and you know, I only scored a 14. I'm like, you're in the seventh grade, man. It makes no difference. I don't care what you score as a seventh grader. So I do not recommend it. And again, I did not have my two oldest take it. I, I'm just, I could care less. Let's, if you want to take it though, that's fine. I would just say, please tell your seventh grader. Let's don't worry about how we score. It doesn't matter. And I recommend you don't share your scores. I think it's just kind of a safe policy to say, hey, seventh grade ACT, we're not going to tell everybody how we scored. It doesn't matter. And I'm not going to feel stupid by scoring a 14. And frankly, if I scored a 24, who cares? So that's, that's kind of my approach with when to take the ACT and not getting caught up in those earlier ones. I know we'll have listeners in many areas of the country, and some people will say, wait, this is too many ACTs. This is going to be frowned upon by prestigious universities, so we definitely should not do what we're being told here. Maybe. In a later episode, I'm going to talk about what to do when you apply to a university that frowns upon too many ACT tests. There's actually a very simple way to handle this, and we'll talk about that in a later episode. I would say in general, for the, the general population, we definitely should take the ACT 12 times. If we go with the one, two, three plan, that's going to get us close. That's going to be a, a great start. And if you have questions about that, I would, I would love to answer those. You could certainly post questions anywhere you want. I'll be glad to answer them. You can post them to our Chad Cargill workshops page uh, under this podcast. I'll have that posted there. You can post anywhere that you're listening to this. Uh, I will be glad to try to answer. Next week, we're going to talk about a really controversial issue. ACT is 
introducing a new rule next school year that says you can take one section of the ACT only. You could register for math. You'll show up to the ACT. And if you're only a math taker, you'll go to the math room. You'll take that section and then you go home. And everyone is super excited about this new policy. Everyone just thinks it's such a great thing. So next week, the episode will be why you should never just take one section of the ACT. It is a terrible idea. So I hope you'll join us for that. And I can't wait to dive into that one. I get, I get a great reaction at my workshops when I tell the students that that's going to be episode number two. Everyone says, what? Why not? So I can't wait to dive into that. Now, again, everything will be in the show notes and you can go to podcast.chadcargo.com. Again, this is episode one. You can find me on chadcargill.com. There you'll find a schedule of all my workshops. Uh, you can get my ACT prep book there. It's a 540-page book, a lot of it written in first person. Uh, it has uh, tons of exercises. I mean, especially like math. I know so many struggle in math. So in that book, I added 130 pages of math problems. And at the back of the math section, I worked every problem for you and typed out my steps. Um, same with English, a lot of worksheets, lessons, model tests. I hope you'd consider getting that. You can also find my speed reading software on my site. We'll talk about how to do that. I'll teach you later in a later podcast how to do speed reading for free, how to do it with software, uh, but it's very valuable and uh, you can find that on there. Again, you can also find me on Facebook on the Chad Cargill Workshops Facebook page. Feel free to post there comment with any questions you might have, and I will try to respond to those. If you have suggestions for other podcasts, uh, topics you would like me to cover, feel free to post that as well. And I certainly may do an entire podcast on specifically your question. Now, if you enjoyed this first episode, I would really appreciate it if you would leave a review on whatever uh, podcast uh, app or uh, software you're listening to. If you do, uh, I'd love to read some of those on air. So why don't you say where you're listening from and give a shout out to your kid's high school. If you're a parent listening or if you're a student, uh, give a shout out to your high school. Uh, specifically, uh, you might say what you're involved in. I'd love to give a shout out to your FFA program or your band or uh, whatever, your, your debate team or whatever, your football team. So if you do that, that would be awesome. I'd love to read some of those. Uh, on podcasts moving forward. And finally, I would appreciate it if you would get added to our mailing list. If you do that, I want to give you a free resource for signing up. If you will go to scholarships.chadcargill.com, scholarships with an S, scholarships.chadcargill.com, a little window will appear that says, tell me where to send it. And if you put your email in that box, you will immediately receive a PDF document of a segment that I do in my workshop on filling out scholarship applications and resumes. It's what scholarship committees look for and how to get yourself at the top of that list to where you are winning the scholarships, you're getting hired for the internships. I get great feedback on that segment. Um, it's based on a lot of my work I've done at, uh, running scholarship committees and corporate recruiting, and I'll, I'll uh, cover a lot of that in later episodes. But I'd, I'd love to give you that free resource for getting on the mailing list. Again, just go to scholarships.chatcarlo.com. Don't Google that. Just type that in the URL and it will take you directly to that page where you can enter your email. Well, okay. So that's it for episode number one. Man, I'm so excited you joined. 
the, the podcast. And if you enjoyed it, share it with somebody. Let somebody know. Uh, and we're going to be back next week again for that, that big new one on taking one section of the ACT. I can't wait to be with you. Thanks again for joining. See you next week.